I'm excited to be here. I want you to take your Bibles and put a marker in Acts chapter number 11, and then we'll turn to Jonah chapter number 1. <clears throat> Pastor asked me what I was preaching on this morning. It's a brand new message. It's never been preached before. Uh, it is hot off the cooker. And uh, as, I, as I describe sermons sometimes, it's, it, this is a shot that's never been fired. I don't know how big of a bang it's going to make. I don't know how far it's going to travel. I have no idea where it's going to hit. And uh, this is brand new. And uh, just a thought that uh, came about one day. And uh, my boys one day when, we were, when, I was, when they were teenagers asked me, Dad, where do you get your sermon ideas? And so that led to a two-and-a-half-hour discussion in my office where I took them through how I read my Bible, how I study. Ninety-five percent of my sermons come out of my daily Bible reading. Just something jumps off the page. December 10th, I was reading Acts 10 and then got over to Acts 11 and just something jumped off the page. But the Williams, I had never connected a couple things that we'll connect this morning. And I've been chewing on it since December 10th. Just, I think about it every day and, and just trying to figure out how it goes together. And we're going to try to do that this morning. And, uh, and so we're going to start in Jonah, chapter number one. We all know that one really well, the story. But we'll look at it. Uh, Jonah, chapter one, verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come before me. I'm going to pause right there before we finish reading. God notices the wickedness of societies. Do not think God's not aware of what's happening in America. He knows every detail. And let me just say this. He will deal with it. And, uh, and so I'm going to leave that alone, otherwise I'm going to get off, get off on that rabbit trail. I'm going to try to stay in my notes this morning. For me, my sermon notes are like a fence to keep me in the area where I studied. Every once in a while, I jump the fence, and I'm going to try not to do that this morning. Verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And we know the story. Jonah's running from God. God gave him a commission. I want you to go do this. He said no and ran the other way. And he thought he could run. You could run, but you cannot hide. And God found him, we see in verse number four, God sends a great wind into the sea, he prepares a great fish, and, uh, and Jonah ends up in the whale motel uh, for three days and three nights. I have a sermon I preach on that one, why Jonah, wait, why Jonah spent three days. That one doesn't make any sense. You would think he'd get right with God about the time his feet hit the water, not Jonah. And we'll get into a little bit of that later in the message, but that's not the sermon for this morning. But here we see Jonah, he's told of God, I want you to rise and go to Nineveh. He, went, he goes the other way. He runs to, to a place called Joppa. Now I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Acts, chapter number 11. You'll say, what in the world does Acts 11 and Jonah have in common? Well, hang on, you'll find out. Acts 11, verse 1, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. 
And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to, to men uncircumcised, and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. Now, I'm just going to pause right here. As we get into the story, we're going to find out that the, the Jews in Israel, in Jerusalem, didn't understand why, Paul, or why Peter went to preach to a bunch of Gentiles, to Cornelius. This is the story of Cornelius. They didn't understand why he did it, and they got mad about it. They, they, they misunderstood him. Anybody here ever mis misunderstood? Anybody here in ministry did something for God? You knew God said do it. You did it, and people got mad at you? You lost friends? I, I'm not talking, you know, Facebook friends. I'm talking about real friends, people you went to college with, or ministry workers that turned their back on you because they didn't understand what God did in your heart? That's what's going on in Acts 11. Right? People were misunderstanding him. And I love what verse 4 says. This is not the message, but it's a good thought. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. He, he told them the whole story. How many times do we make a judgment not hearing the whole story? I feel like I should be preaching this to the, the House of Representatives this morning. But anyway, I'm just going to keep reading. Look at verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in the trance I saw a vision, and a certain damsel descend, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even unto me, Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. Now, verse 7, guys, if you're going to have a life first, this is a good one. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay, and eat. Kill and eat. Amen. That's good preaching right there. And I said, Not so, Lord. For nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. Peter was a good Jew. He was saying, I've never eaten the unclean things that were outlawed in the Old Testament ceremonial law. Look at verse 9. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done three times. So three times Peter's arguing with God. Not so. You ever told God no? I don't recommend it. But he did. Although this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven, and behold, immediately there were, with, uh, there, were there three men already come into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me, and the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell upon them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? 
And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. I want to speak this morning on a, on a very simple thought. What are you doing in Joppa? What are you doing in Joppa? Let's pray. Father, as uh, we come to this passage, I really am not sure how to deliver the truth that you've had working in my heart for several weeks. But I do believe this is what you want this morning. So please help me as I speak. I pray you control my thoughts. Help me to be able to clearly articulate those things that you put in my heart. I pray that every one of us here might be attentive to the word of God. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you use the word of God to speak clearly? And may at the end of the service we respond in a very clear and definite way to what you said. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just start off with the first part of the message discussing the place. This place, Joppa. You know, we hear about it. Now, today it's called Jaffa, and uh, it's in Israel. It's, a, it's a, uh, a port city on the Mediterranean Sea. It's a very important place. In fact, uh, it's located about 30 miles from Caesarea, south of there. And uh, it's closed. In fact, it's, it's circled now by the, the modern city, Tel Aviv, uh, there in Israel. So it's a, a large metropolitan area. In fact, the largest metropolitan area, and, and, and Joppa is stuck right in the middle of it. It has a long history as being a port city. Of course, we saw that Jonah went there to get on a ship. It was through the port at Joppa that King Solomon brought the cedars of Lebanon. It was through that port. What an important place. Uh, they say that the city was probably founded and the port was started by Japheth, one of Noah's sons, after the flood. Um, in 1799, Napoleon leveled the city, just absolutely destroyed it during one of his campaigns. In fact, they say he left not one person alive. As we think, here's the city. We know the city. Okay, that's what it is. It's a port city. It's a place where a lot of commerce went through. If you were going to go get on a cruise ship, that's where you went. And uh, by the way, I'm not getting on one of those. I know you can't right now, but even if you could, you're not getting me on a little steel can out in the middle of an ocean where everybody gets sick. Not happening. Not interested. I'll take an airplane. Get there in a, in a few hours instead of weeks. Amen. But uh, this, this city, the city of Joppa. I was reading along in Acts chapter 10 and 11 where it's mentioned that Peter was in Joppa. And then I got to thinking, wait a minute, there was somebody else that went to Joppa. And two different things happened. And this morning I'd like us to consider that place of Joppa and how people get there. Look again and keep your place in Acts. But back in Jonah chapter 1, I should have told you to keep a place there. Jonah 1, it says, But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. The problem was not the city of Joppa. The problem was, it was away from the presence of the Lord. His presence is in surrender and obedience. The problem was not the city. I think too many times we get into a situation where we're all upset about something and we blame the location. The will of God has it more to do with godliness than it does geography. We're more concerned about where we should live than how we should live. 
Both of these men of God, both called of God, both prophets of God, ended up in Joppa, but for two different reasons, and their responses were very different. It says in verse 3, Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. When you're running from God, you'll always find an opportunity to go even further from God. Satan is a master of opportunities. Just because something is available does not mean it's of God. Then it says, so he paid the fare thereof. Sin always costs you. You cannot go away from God and think you're going to get by with it. Jonah was in Joppa. It says right here, he went down to it and to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's interesting. Twice in that verse, God said, he left my presence. Now, don't raise your hand. This is one of those questions you, you just answer in your own heart. But does God seem far away from you? Stop and think, who moved? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed at all. You see, Jonah, when he went to Joppa, he, he didn't go where God wanted him to go, and he, was, he didn't want to do what God told him to do. In this place, there were people. The, the first person we look at is Jonah. He was running from God. But back in the book of Acts, if you'll turn back there, we will come back to Jonah. And let me just say this, that in, uh, in Acts 11 is not the story. It's the repeating of the story. And our family, we love to tell stories of what's happened to us. People tell us, you guys need to write a book about ministry. No. Number one, no one would believe it. I have a chapter I could write about being here for vacation Bible school. We had some fun stuff happen. Then we had stuff that got out of hand. And I'm not going to go there right now. I'm going to try to be nice. They said, you ought to write a book, you know, and nobody would believe it. Number two, if people read it, they said, if that's the ministry, I don't want any part of it. Because we've had a lot of stuff happen they don't tell you about in Bible college. I actually have a folder, Brother Williams, in, in, in my desk of things that they didn't teach me in Bible college. But then there's a whole bunch of stuff they didn't tell me, and it's a good thing they didn't. There's some stuff needs to be master's level, you know, after you're done with your training, you're in ministry. Okay, now let me tell you what it's really like. All right? You're laughing. You've been there. You know what? Yeah. And so many times I've, I've been sitting in my office after something happened at church. Like, they didn't cover that in church, Ed. You know? And you want to call a preacher, but they wouldn't believe you if you told them. That's why we don't write the book. Here we find Peter is in Acts 11. He's telling the story of what happened in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10. We find that when Peter was there, uh, look if, if you will in, in verse number 10, uh, chapter 10 and verse number 9, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 10 and verse number 9. I'm going to start verse number 8. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. When Peter was in Joppa, he was doing a bunch of stuff. We find earlier in the chapter, uh, he had healed in chapter 9, he had healed uh, the, the woman Dorcas, also known as Tabitha. He had healed her. Uh, he, he was ministering to saints there. Uh, we find in verse number 9, he was praying there. 
Boy, that's a different attitude in Joppa than Jonah. We don't find Jonah praying. In fact, he doesn't pray until he's been in the well for three days. But Peter is in Joppa going about what a normal Christian does. Reading his Bible, he's praying, he's ministering to people, he's helping others. That's what believers do. That's what he was doing. He was ministering to someone. Uh, he had a vision for God. He wanted to do something for God. And he was just waiting there uh, for God to tell him what's going on. In fact, in the chapter we find he had a meal with the people. In fact, when he went to pray, they were preparing a meal. You ever notice how many times the Bible talks about that? Especially in the book of Acts. They're constantly eating. You ever wondered why that is? What's the next event on God's calendar? The rapture. Then what takes place? We have the judgment seat of Christ. We have the marriage of the Lamb. And then the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll be in heaven for seven years while tribulation is going on here on earth. Then we come back. Preacher, I don't know how much of that seven years is the marriage supper. But I know this. I can't sit down and eat for seven years right now, so I'm practicing for heaven. Can I get an amen right there? Yeah, that's good preaching. I don't know if it's good theology, but it is good preaching. Right? But they're, they're sitting there and eating. So Peter's fellowshipping with these people. He's enjoying their fellowship. They're ministering together. And in the middle of that, God speaks to him and says, this is what you're going to do next in the city of Joppa. You see, Peter came to the same city that Jonah did. Jonah did it to flee from the presence of God, to run from the will of God. Peter was there seeking to know and do the will of God. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing in Joppa this morning? You see, every one of us get in a place where we're, we're out of our comfort zone. We're going to find out Peter got way out of his comfort zone. But God was working in his heart, and his response was very different than that of Jonah. As we see the people, we've seen the place. Let's look at the purpose. In this city of Joppa, God challenged two different preachers. Each of them, God was doing something in their lives. And by the way, the Bible tells us a lot about that. How that God works in the lives of his people. We sometimes think these Bible Christians were super saints. You know, they never had any problems. Nobody ever got mad at them. I'm hoping God's got video. I hope there's a heavenly YouTube. I want to see the story of Peter and Paul. When, when Paul said he's about Peter, he withstood him to the face. Can you imagine the great preacher Peter and the great prophet Paul face to face going at it? I hope there's video. I want to see this, you know, these different Bible stories. I try to put myself in them. You know, Peter walking on the water. I want to see that. This one would have been interesting to watch. You see, God, he works in the lives of his servants. And as he's working, he's preparing us. As I said in Sunday school, he's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. You realize God never wastes a lesson. Everything he brings into your life has a purpose. As we look here into the lives of these two men, into the purpose of what was going on there, the first thing I see about them is God was going to change their perspective. For both of them, he was going to change what they thought about something. God ever change your, your mind on something? 
Have you ever looked back and it's like, why in the world did I ever think that way? Well, Isaiah 55 tells us why, because our thoughts are not his thoughts. And our ways are not his ways. Uh, the first one on the perspective is Jonah. Uh, I have a message I've been chewing on about patriotism and the dangers of it. I love, I love America. I love my country. You know what got Jonah in trouble? His patriotism. He loved Israel. Why? Because he was an Israelite. God said, I want you to leave here and I want you to go to Nineveh. Well, that was the headquarters of the enemy. And I want you to preach to them. And, and Jonah was like, I don't want to. I don't want them to get saved. I want you to destroy them. So how do you know that? Because even after God saved them, he still wanted God to destroy them. I don't think Jonah ever obeyed. He acquiesced. Obedience is to do what God told you to do with a good attitude. Jonah never had that. He finally got tired of being whipped and agreed to go do what God said. But he hated the Ninevites because they were the enemy of God's people. Yet God wanted to display grace to the Ninevites. And he did. The whole city came out and got saved. I'm an evangelist. I've traveled all over the country. I've traveled around the world. I've never had the entire town come out to the preaching service. I've never had everybody in town submit to God. I want to see that. You see, Jonah didn't like God's plan. So he ran from it. God had to get his attention. God ever have to get your attention? My dad had a couple ways to do that. One was just that. <clears throat> he did that one in church. You know what I'm talking about? I know none of you have ever been called down in church. I wish I had time to tell the story. That happened to me when I was 11 years old. Because of it, I still can't sit on the back row of a church. But anyway, I got called down by name. It wasn't good. Uh, God used the wind. He used that big storm. He used the fish. I mean, three days in the bottom of the fish, or bottom of the whale, uh, in the belly of the whale, in the bottom of the sea. Uh, and then he used a gourd. And then he used a worm. It's amazing how many lessons God had to try to give Jonah. And Jonah didn't get it. God was trying to change his perspective. Peter, or he was saying to Jonah, those people that Ninevites, you hate them, but I love them. They're people for whom my son will die. Those people you don't like, that's why Jesus came. To die for them. See, but they're my enemy. We were all God's enemy before we got saved. God was trying to change their perspective. Do you ever think about Peter? I love Peter. He is the Bible character I associate with most. You say, why? He spoke before he thought through stuff. Can I get a witness? I mean, Peter had no fear. He just did it. I love that about Peter. And, and, and Pastor Trevor, you know me about that. I've done a lot of that. Some of it's been good. Some of it's been like Peter. You know when he was on the boat with the disciples, the storm is raging, they thought they were going to die, and Jesus comes walking on the sea. They thought it was a ghost. Don't get mad at him. You would too. The ghost then starts talking to him. And Peter says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee. You know he didn't think that through. I mean, can you imagine, as he's, he's there in that ship, and Jesus says, come. And so he steps up on the railing of that ship, and the other disciples, Peter, don't do it! He 
walks out there. I like that about Peter. Uh, now, when he got out there, he started thinking about what he was doing, and it was too late. My favorite part of that story, Matthew 14, it says he cried out, Lord, save me. It's the most sincere prayer in your Bible. What word would you take out? Lord, that's who he's praying to. Save, that's what he needs him to do. Me, that's who he wants him to save. That's a good prayer. Not the great God of Jeroboam, Rehoboam, all the boom. No, just Lord, save me. And the Bible says about him that immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. He was within saving distance. Peter was a little bit impetuous. Peter often, as you read through the Gospels, thought he had the will of God and the plan of God all figured out. Uh, when Jesus said that uh, you know, one of the disciples was going to betray him and Peter said, not me, I would never do that. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. Uh, Peter, when they came to arrest Jesus, he took out his sword and cut the servant's ear off. He wasn't aiming for the ear. He was aiming for the juggler. The guy ducked. Peter's a fisherman, not a swordsman, all right? He thought he had it figured out. He was going to stop the crucifixion. No, that was God's plan. Uh, when Jesus rose from the dead and he saw the resurrected Christ in Acts chapter 1, he says, Wilt thou at this time establish thy kingdom? He was looking for a political savior, not a religious one. Because well, he wanted to rule and reign. He wanted to kick the Romans out and take over. He wanted to be governor. Say amen right there. And now in Acts chapter number 10, you get to this story where Peter gets, is there in Joppa. And God gives him a vision about these animals coming down out of heaven. and They're unclean animals. There's pork in there. Somebody say amen right there. The number one reason not to be a vegetarian is bacon. Yep. Hallelujah. Y'all hungry now, aren't you? God says, I want you to, Peter, he says in chapter 10, rise, kill, and eat. First time I ever heard Sam get preached, he had that on his tie. It's like, I like this, man. Peter says to God, not so. Uh, notice what he says in, um, in verse number 14 of chapter 10. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He says in chapter 11, uh, when he says it, uh, he said that nothing, uh, from, let, me, let me find the verse there. Um, Here we go, verse number 8 of chapter 11. And I said, but not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. He was saying, no, Lord, I'm not going to eat that because I have never. That's Peter's self-righteousness. Look at me. I'm the best disciple you have. Not going to do that, Lord. I'm a good Jew. You see, God was trying to change his perspective. Why? Because he was getting ready to send Peter, the, the apostle to the Jews. He was going to send him to the Gentiles. The first time in a large way the gospel went to the Gentiles, so God took this man, Peter, and sent him to Cornelius. It's amazing when you see that, uh, that uh, he, he was, he was going to go reach Cornelius. You understand, Cornelius, he wasn't just a man that lived in the city there. Uh, he was a Gentile, but he was more than that. 
He was a Roman centurion. Just chew on that a minute. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because the enemy soldiers were there. God said to Peter, you're going to go to one of the enemy soldiers, the officer, the centurion had ten soldiers under him, you're going to go to his house. What was God doing? God was changing his perspective. You know, God will do that in our lives sometimes. we got it all figured out. I'm doing this, and, and you're serving God in a certain way, then God says, I'm going to change that. He was going to change their perspective. And then he was going to change their position. In both cases, Jonah was a prophet to Israel, and God was going to send him to the Ninevites. God was going to use him because of Jonah running from God. He gave him the opportunity to minister to the mariners. They woke him up said, pray to your God. Maybe he can answer. He had an opportunity to say, it's my fault, guys. Let me tell you why. He could have got right with God right there. But he continued his rebellion. God had chosen him to go to a different culture and reach people that he didn't want to reach. The same thing happened with Peter, an apostle, one that was sent to the, Gentile, to, the, to the Jews. He now was going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And God was going to increase the ministry and influence of Peter beyond anything that fisherman could have ever imagined. We forget who Peter was. Now, he was a small businessman. We didn't think all the, all the disciples were poor. No, Peter, James, and John owned a fishing business with ships and lots of employees. That's why I don't think Peter, James, and John got along with Matthew, the IRS agent. Can you imagine that staff meeting? Uh, Peter, need to talk to you after the meeting about your taxes. <laughs> but God was going to use Peter to reach the Gentiles and enlarge his ministry in an incredible way. He was going to change their, their perspective, their position, but he was going to change their potential. Both Jonah and Peter had the opportunity and potential to be greatly used of God to reach people with the gospel no one else could have reached. One chose to run from it. The other chose to run to it. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing in Joppa? What's God doing in your life right now? What doors of opportunity has he opened to you? What things has he said to you that don't make sense? But you know he said it. Are you running to what's comfortable? Are you just trusting God? Say, okay, God, I'll go. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, And I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul was saying to these, these believers in Philippi, he said, because of the circumstances, the difficulties, the unusual places that God has put me in, he's expanded my ministry. I wonder what, what is God trying to do in your life that you're fighting against? In Joppa, that's where you are. Are you a Jonah or are you a Peter? Will you run from the presence of God or will you run to the will of God? 
And Paul said because of what God had done in his life, that because of his difficulty, other believers were strengthened and spoke the word of God more boldly. Multitudes got saved. The place, the people, the purpose. Last of all, the product. In both cases, from Joppa, Gentiles were reached for God. God reached the Ninevites. There was the, the great evangelistic campaign. The city did get saved. Now, Jonah wasn't happy about it. And here's the amazing thing. God used him anyway. So I don't know that I'd have done that. Well, you're not God. You know, that's why we can't look at somebody else like, well, you know, here's why God's not blessing them. You don't know what God's doing. Most of us looking at Peter, we just said, I wouldn't have chosen him to be a, a disciple. In fact, the world in Acts chapter, was it chapter 4, they said that uh, they, they, they looked at them and said they were ignorant and unlearned fishermen, but they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You see, in both of them, in, in their product, when they got to Joppa, their, Jonah, his failings were exposed, his selfishness. He chose his will over the will of God. You know, one of the most Christ-like things a believer can do is submit to the will of the Father. One of the most amazing passages of Scripture to me is Matthew chapter 26. We've heard a lot of songs about the cross this morning. Jesus was in the garden, Matthew 26, praying with his disciples. And he had asked Peter, James, and John, would you, would you come alone and pray with me? And they didn't. And then finally it says, verse 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's the humanity of Christ. Let me just say this. Jesus was all man and all God at the same time. But during those days that he was in human form, he laid aside the use of some of those attributes willingly and, and he lowered himself. He humbled himself, as Philippians says, as a man to, why, so he could be tested in all points like as we are yet without sin. And so he's praying in the garden. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup, the cross, pass from me. And then he finished his prayer. Nevertheless, not, my, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He said, okay, I'll submit to your will. That's the Son of God. In fact, the Bible says about him in, in, in Hebrews 5 verse 8, this is a verse for you to chew on a little bit. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. I'm talking about the Son of God. I'm talking about God the Son. The one who spoke worlds into existence learned obedience. You don't think we need to learn it? You see, that's what Joppa was all about. God was teaching both of his men how to su submit to the will of God. Jonah's failings were exposed. His selfishness, his spending. So we saw there in Jonah 1.3. So he paid the fare thereof. Anytime you run from God... It's going to cost you. It will always cost you. It will cost you years that are wasted. You never get them back. I, I've met several men that I've known that God called them to preach when they were young. But there were some things they felt they had to do before they could submit to ministry. They had to finish their career, had to get their kids through school or whatever. And some of them later on did go in ministry, but I've talked to them they said, Brother Doug, I've wasted decades. No, God just says surrender. Just do what I say. I'll take care of the rest. 
years were wasted. Influence was reduced. I'm guessing in Israel, if you needed a prophet after the book of Jonah, you didn't really want to call Jonah. Because no doubt the story was told. God had to send him to the bottom of the sea in a whale to get him to do right. His reputation was destroyed. But then look at the product in Peter's life. Prominent leader in the church at Jerusalem. Then what is he, I mean, he was one of the inner three. You had the twelve. Then you had the three. I mean, John or Peter was one of those. He's the one that got to go up on the mountain with Jesus at the Transfiguration. But in Joppa, his ministry expanded to the world, beyond just the twelve, beyond Israel. Notice chapter uh, ten, verse number seventeen. This is the part. Um, that as I was studying it originally, that really kind of jumped out at me. Is God's telling him what to do. Verse 17, Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, God tells him, I'm going to do this. And he's like, what does that mean? Anybody here ever tried to figure out what God was doing in your life? It didn't make sense? Do you ever doubt? Peter did. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm down here and just healed this lady and administering, and then this thing comes down out of heaven. I'm supposed to kill and eat. What in the world is God doing? And then the rest of the verse Behold, the men which are sent from Cornelius have made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Peter didn't know what God was saying to him, he didn't know what God was saying to them. He doubted. Yet when he submitted to the will of God, I love what it says back in chapter 11, as he's retelling the story. Verse 11, And behold, immediately there were with the three men, there were three men come already to the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me, and the 